Welcome to Impact Oversell! Here is your host, Chef Cut, aka Chef. Welcome Impact Wrestling fans, I am Chef, I am Shufkut, welcome to this episode. I'll be giving you my thoughts on the November 3rd edition of Impact Wrestling. I would definitely love to know your thoughts on what went down on Impact this week. You can contact me directly on Twitter at Impact Oversell, email feedback at impactoversell.com. Let's get straight into this week's episode. Clip after clip after clip of Johnny Bravo being a quote, groomzilla, unquote, and you just want to punch the guy. He gets under your skin. And then you're reminded he got shot. And you're like, oh, yeah, can't really hate on the guy. <laughs> He's recovering from being shot. So conflict of emotions there. But you can really understand why someone really wanted to hurt him. And the episode wasn't dominated by this. Tommy Dreamer's the, the I was going to say, lead investigator. <laughs> no, he's the only investigator. There's only one man for the job. It's Tommy Dreamer, the innovator of investigation, I think, as the, the, the impact Twitter account referred to him as, which did make me chuckle. Um, but yes, they didn't drag it out. There wasn't too many backstage skits for this. Tommy Dreamer's narrowed down the suspects to a list of 10. We'll see where it goes from there. The first match of the night was Diana Perazzo defending... Defending? No, she's 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 not Impact Knockouts champion anymore. <sighs> but I do like Sue Young, so you know. Anyway, Sue Young is defending her Impact Knockout Championship against Diana Peraza. Ends in the no disqualification. Kimberly throws in the chair. Took award the chair between Sue Young and Diana Peraza. Diana Peraza gets hit with the chair. Disqualification. Sue Young has retained, and Sue Young snaps. Just steals chair shots, steal chair shots all over the place. Later on we find out in a segment with Scott Timor and the Barrister that the two will face off again in a no disqualification matchup. So this segment did its job. There's going to be a third match between the two. It should be the decisive matchup. I really do want to hear from Sue Young. I want to hear like a, her in a promo. I want to hear from her. But I don't know how quite they're going to do that with a character. I think she's hardly ever spoke as Sue Young during her time in Impact. I think the most she's ever said is your time has come to Madison Rain. So perhaps maybe alternate between the two. Now, they were treating Sue Young as a separate entity, separate person in this matchup, and um, listening to the commentary, who knows where she's been before she returned at Pound for Glory. But I'm pretty sure Susie acknowledged at some point that she realises she is Sue Young, but she likes being Susie. She likes being Susie because she's good. So maybe Susie could be the spokesperson or the promo person for Sue Young, and that way we can get both of the characters on screen um, more often. Anybody know when uh, Rich Swan and Eddie Edwards' debut single or album is going to be available to stream? You can just do covers of wrestlers' entrance songs. Anyway, moving on, Chris Bay defeated Trey Miguel in quite a competitive matchup, which I didn't enjoy. I was very intrigued by the segment later on in the show when Chris Bay went up to Rich Swan and basically said to Rich Swan that he wants him to go to Impact Management and state he wants a match with Chris Bay. Rich Swan does come back brilliantly and says, Championship opportunities are earned at Impact Wrestling, and you just can't go up and say, I want to wrestle so and so person. Before they continue going backwards and forwards, Eddie Edwards interrupts because they've got to get ready for the tag team matchup against Eric Young and Sammy Callahan. There's a lot of people getting involved with Rich Swan. I mean, we saw last week we've got Ken Shamrock, we've got Sammy Callahan. You've got Moose as well. I mean, they're not all directly involved. Some of them are indirectly involved. But yeah, there's an interesting group of people now. Interesting group of wrestlers. Sort of inserting the name indirectly or directly around Rich Swan and the Impact World Championship. Very intrigued about Chris Bay, where this is going to go on to next week. Since Chris Bay is in the X Division, definitively. 
and hasn't, as far as I recall, made any challenges or shown any direct interest in challenging for the Impact World Title. We get huge news from Locker Room Talk, Madison Rain is returning to in-ring action in Impact Wrestling as her and Tennille Dashwood are going to be teaming up in the Women's Knockouts Tag Team Tournament. Jordan Grace is just kicked to one side, I'm not literally, but she's kicked to one side by Caleb with a K. While he wants to take a photo of Madison Rain and Tino Nashwood, they can crop Johnny Swinger out, I love that line. So who on earth is Jordan Grace going to partner with? They acknowledge that her and Alicia didn't really click in the matchup on the last episode. The tournament starts in two weeks, I don't think we've got the brackets announced yet. Will it be a mystery partner? Will it be a, will they just name directly who it is? Will they go back to Alicia? I mean, I would like it if Awesome Kong returned and you had her, her team up with Jordan Grace. Then you've got a real powerhouse there. But then again, Jordan Grace is the powerhouse herself. Next up was my favourite segment of the whole show. You talk about being, well, virtually, I guess, these days. You talk about being virtually talked into the building. Wow, I am sold. I am completely sold on the matchup between these two. Going into the show thinking it's going to be a defeater or hit challenge. I thought we were just going to get another matchup, but the opponent was going to make sure it was for the X Division Championship, as Rohit used that caveat before that the defeat or hit challenge isn't for the actual X Division Championship. But no, a brilliant, brilliant back and forth verbally between the two here. The line of the night from Rohit saying to TJ Perkins, asking TJ Perkins, Who the hell are you? I learned a lot about TJP from what he had to say here. He's credited Rohit about him having to claw and fought. But then TJ Perkins got 22 years of work in the business. That he sold out Arena Mexico, 18. Super Junior Champion, Cruiserweight Champion, X Division Champion. He's done all that while he was homeless. But then Rohit comes back and stating he's a has-been. And he emphasises past tense because he's the present X Division Champion. And just basically states TJ Perkins is pathetic. To my surprise, TJP dropped the mic here and went to walk away and leave the ring, but Rohit, being the great heel that he is, was just continually insisting for TJP to leave. And he gets hot tea, or probably lukewarm tea, thrown at him. Doesn't matter. There's a brawl between the two, and later on backstage, there's a matchup set up for them to take place again. And if TJP doesn't get the job done, doesn't retain the Exhibition Championship, he can't challenge for the Exhibition Championship again as long as Rohit is champion. I mean, I want this matchup now. I mean, I'm sold on this. I mean, I didn't, to be honest with you, realise any of that stuff about TJ Perkins. I wasn't aware of that. Yes, we've heard from Rohit before how he's, like, not been given any opportunities and then he's had to work his way from the bottom. You can tell, again, he's meaning every single word he's saying. I mean, bring it on. Bring it on. I mean, it's going to be really interesting now because it's got to be a competitive matchup between the two and there won't be any shenanigans. Scott Dimore wants it to be a fair match. Let's see. If TJP threw scolding hot tea on Rohit, would that also make him a heel? I mean, obviously, that's that's the key question coming out of this entire episode. But seriously, I'm, I'm just looking forward to the matchup between the two now. And it's going to be interesting to see Rohit just get a, a clean, decisive win. If there's going to be any shenanigans, I don't think that's going to go down well. Maybe the match will be restarted because Scott Demo has emphasised this is going to be a fair opportunity for TJP. So bring it on. I'm fully on board with this. Very quick backstage interview with Chris Staben. Staben? Chris Saban. <laughs> wow. Backstage interview with Chris Saban. Logical approach to his thinking here, which I really liked. Stating that no team can beat the Modicina Machine Guns 2 on 2. Hence, Alex Shelley being taken out at Bound for Glory, hence Triple XL for whatever reason, again, attacking Alex Shelley. 
he's basically challenged triple xl one of the members of triple xl to challenge him doesn't care who it is simple reasons why he wants the matchup thoughts on the modern city machine guns being targeted perfect reasons let's see what happens in the one-on-one -on -one matchup ethan page versus luke gallows was up next and i really really liked this whole chain of events that had going on through the early part of the matchup where ethan page is going to the outside talking to josh alexander he was trying to calm himself down not happy with the fact that Luke Gallows making a fool of him and again you had Luke Gallows mocking the karate persona of Ethan Page finally once Josh, Ale once Josh Alexander distracted Luke Gallows Ethan Page had the opportunity to get some offense in in the end Luke Gallows did get the win over Ethan Page but immediately but immediately after the matchup the North attacked Luke Gallows it's just setting up nicely what we're expecting down the line now is a tag team matchup between these two I don't think the Good Brothers are going to have a very easy challenge here ahead of them. I'm expecting a completely fully competitive matchup between the two of them. Will there be shenanigans? Like how the way they won the title, at, sorry, the way they retained, not retained, the way they won the tag team titles for a second time about the glory, I got there eventually. And to be honest with you, I was expecting the Good Brothers to have won the Impact Tag Team titles by now. Just based on all the hype that was going on around the Good Brothers debuting at Slammiversary. I thought they would actually win at Bound for Glory. I'm so glad the North actually won the titles again, totally out of the blue for me. If there was going to be a surprise, I thought it would have been Ace Austin and Madman Fulton winning the title titles. We haven't seen them much either post Bound for Glory, so I'm very, very interested to see how they're going to re how they're going to reintroduce Ace Austin again and Madman Fulton. They get involved in this title picture between the Good Brothers and the North. I don't think they will. I think we're just going to get the North and the Good Brothers directly one-on-one -on -one against each other. Not a three-way match, not a four-way match, just those two in a standard tag team match. And personally, I'd love to see the North get the win over the Good Brothers. If it's by shenanigans, so be it. It's their characters, after all. Which, again, gives that scope to extend the rivalry again. The Good Brothers could say they'll be cheated out of a win, and they've got reasons and grounds for another rematch. So following this, we cut over to Swaggle in the segment to plug his book, Brian Myers, the way the opening segment of the show set up Johnny Bravo being a groomzilla and just hating the guy, you feel like you hate the guy. Brian Myers accomplished the same reaction for me here in this segment. He's basically saying to Swoggle that his book has been renamed. It's going to be his short, how short his run was at Impact Wrestling. And he pushes him over. Brian Myers, the most professional idiot. He apparently, he runs Impact Wrestling according to himself in this segment. I don't think you do, mate. Come on, Swaggle. Go get him. Exactly how I was feeling when I was watching this. Johnny Swinger, Cody Dina, next up. I'm just wondering what on earth Johnny Swinger has in his bum bag, as we call it in the UK. What was it, loaded with bricks? He basically used that and he hit Cody Dina with the bum bag to get the win. Now, before I get onto the Moose promo and the main event of the show, we did also have a segment earlier on involving Heath, Rhino and Scott D. Moore, the contract signing for Heath Slater. Got D. Moore clearly checking Heath's social media where he posted about the injury. Doesn't want anything signed until he's clear and healthy, but they're going along with Heath not being injured. Rhino backing him up too, and that Heath has said he'll be back soon as well. So he's still going to compete in matches, even though he's still technically not signed with Impact. Where are they going with this? What's the end game here? Just proving Heath is this amazing, great athlete, and he doesn't get injured? That he can carry impact on his shoulders? I don't know. I, I don't know. 
Yes, he is legitimately injured. So how are we going to get to Heath signing his contract with Impact? If if that is even the end game here. I mean, EC3 showed up, did the job of elevating Moose, so to speak, and now he's out controlling his own narrative again. It's, it's crazy. On, on the same product that we have, Johnny Bravo gets shot. And I'm not taking that too seriously. He's just taking it for entertainment purposes. I'm sort of reading too much into this whole segment with Heath and his contract. And he's injured, but saying he's not injured. But I'm invested in it. I'm interested to see where it goes. Along with quite a lot of other things going on in Impact. Especially with Moose. Now, his promo here. Stating he is born again. Presenting all the killer facts. That he's not been defeated on pay-per-views. Which I wasn't aware of. I don't think I've ever seen that marketed. Gives a list of who he's defeated. Willie Mac comes down. And Moose just gives Willie Mac no chance here. I did like it here when Willie Mac was sort of backed into the camera. And you can see the cameraman put his hand up on screen momentarily. Willie Mac turns around. But then that Moose takes that opportunity. Boom. Strikes him down. Chokes him with the cable. And the bottom line is this. Moose thinks the Impact Championship is the number two belt in the company. And again, I'm going to put my logical brain here. Trying to put it to one side. The TNA Championship is the previous physical incarnation of the Impact World Championship. One and the same. One and the same. But, ah, okay, never mind. Like, I was, I was really hoping Moose realised once he beats EC3, once he defeated EC3 Bound for Glory, that he doesn't actually need that title belt. But we're still going with it. He's got the title belt. He's got Willie Mack to take care of. And again, how is he going to tie in with a picture with Rich Swan? As I said previously, there are a lot of names involved. Now, speaking of the title belts, and I've heard Hurricane Shane Helms talk about this on PWR on the Pro Wrestling Report previously, where the champions aren't treating the title belts with the respect that they're supposed to be shown. So Moose previously presented title belt around the waist. He was sort of just holding it in his hand here. He saw him walking backstage towards the ring. Okay, Rich Swan at a <laughs> during his entrance, using it like it was a guitar like I get it I like Rich Swan. he's a fun guy he's a cool character he dances I get it I get the whole thing but that's the title belt you've been wanting to win and you're just like using it like a musical instrument briefly have it over your shoulder have it over your waist it's not a toy it's the title you've been working to get in storyline terms that you've been training for that you've rehabbed for Personally, I didn't like it, but what I did like was on commentary here when Josh Matthews asked, what is one step past unhinged? Madison Rain with a brilliant reply, Eric Young. Boom. Love the camera shot as well during Eric Young's entrance when he's on the apron and you've got Sammy Callahan there just watching him in the background. Like, when I saw that, I was just intrigued about how these two were going to get along and they were emphasising during the matchup that the two supervillains... The ending sequence of the matchup was when Eddie Edwards had Sammy Callahan in a submission hold and Rich Swan was blocking Eric Young to get in the ring to break up that submission hold. Ken Shamrock comes down, hits Rich Swan in the back, throws him headfirst into the steel steps. Eddie Edwards sees this, he goes after Shamrock, but this allows Callahan to get a roll-up, to get a roll-up, which which Eddie Edwards kicks out of. Shortly after that, a power driver by Callahan and him and Eric can get the win. I almost I did like the sequence in the matchup as well when Eric Young and Sammy Callahan were both going for power drivers and they sort of give like the thumbs up at the same time. And Ken Shamrock at the end of the matchup, the three of them in the middle of the ring, and you got the fist bump between Eric Young and Sammy Callahan. Shamrock patting the back of Callahan 
and the really emphasizing supervillains coming together, will these three rule the world? Is this the start of a new faction in Impact Wrestling? Eric Young's just come out of the world title picture, Sami Khan has been in the world title picture before, Ken Shamrock is this world's most dangerous man 2.0. Who would you say is the real leader out of this group? I don't think you can easily identify one. Sami Callahan can speak for Ken Shamrock, yes, but you don't really get that vibe of him doing that with Eric Young. I'm very interested to see if this actually goes anywhere. Will the three of them be together as a unit, as a team, as a stable? Definitely looking forward to finding out. Overall, this episode does get a thumbs up from me. I did enjoy watching it. I was afraid it was going to be bogged down a bit with a bit too much of the investigation to Johnny Bravo. Those segments were short and got to the point. Turning Point is being built up nicely with a no disqualification matchup with Diana Prazer and Sue Young and Moose going one on one with Winnie Mac. And I noticed in the graphic they didn't actually state it was for the TNA title. Now, I know Moose is a self proclaimed champion, but they did also have on the, bra on the graphics in his previous matches it was for the TNA title. I like the fact that it's not actually on the graphic. And I'm looking forward to Turning Point and, of course, next week's edition of the show. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Impact Oversell. Feel free to contact me at Impact Oversell on Twitter. Please do follow at Impact Oversell on Twitter. Email feedback at impactoversell.com. Stay safe and have a groovy day.